Hey, this is Matt Britt, lead pastor at New Life Church, and you're listening to our podcast. I pray you're encouraged today and filled with hope. I pray you learn more about yourself and your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. It's Pentecost Sunday, and man, I'm excited to share with you a brief message. Um, I planned this because I knew we would have uh, extra windows. We do right now anyway, uh, and then we're excited to have Michael with us as well. So, um, and everybody stayed inside their windows. They did a great job, so I'm going to try and stay inside mine, okay? Uh, Pentecost uh, really is uh, a festival that was celebrated by the Jews, and it was this festival of first fruits, okay? And so what that means is when, when they were growing their crops, the very first harvest happened at Pentecost, and they would all gather. They would all come to Jerusalem and bring their first fruits to the Lord, but it was symbolic. It wasn't just that, that they, they, were, they were bringing their harvest, and then they go on their merry way. No, it's symbolic, and, and don't miss this because this is huge today. Pentecost was symbolic that today is the day of the first harvest, but it is a symbol. It is a sign of a great harvest that is to come. Amen, somebody? It's a sign of a great harvest that's to come. I'm telling you, church, uh, I hope that you're enjoying the space that you have right now. I hope that you're enjoying the room that you have, because uh, I think bef- before too long, we're going to have to have overflow rooms. Uh, I-, I think we're going to have to a- add chairs and figure all that out, and maybe, I don't know, add a second level, something like that, because people are going to get saved. We're already seeing it happened. We're already watching that take place. Uh, online did not stop us from people coming to the Lord. We had 15 people accept Christ as their Lord and Savior in the space when we were not meeting in the building. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. Amen. Now, I do know one of those was Rita, okay? I do know that. She clicked the button to raise her hand, and I'm sure she wasn't the only one. I think Coffee Man might have hit it one time, too. Uh, but you know what? I rejoice uh, because I know that some of those were genuine, and I think the majority of those were genuine. I know some of you might have got curious and hit that button just to see what it was. We don't see the results. Uh, but I do believe this, that you cannot stop the power of God working in someone's heart and life. Amen? And when we present the power of God, then people respond to the power of the Lord. Amen. So today, Pentecost Sunday, uh, we're going to talk about this great harvest. I'm going to jump into it. Acts chapter one, uh, Jesus is talking with his disciples just before the ascension. He says this in verse four, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you're wondering what is about to happen, you need to look no further than your own salvation experience. Okay, in those days, people would accept Christ and get baptized fairly close together, often at the same time. You see it over and over again in Scripture where someone gets saved and they go, Is there water here to baptize me? Well, yeah, there's a lake right there. Boom, and they would get baptized that same moment they got saved. Wouldn't that be so cool if we just had the pool filled up every week and we're just like, Yep, open the screen, somebody got saved, and we're throwing you in. So, uh, but Today, we do it a little different. But in those days, it would happen so close together. Baptism with water was and still is today the expression of a new life in Christ. The old you is submerged under the water, and the new you comes out of the water set free from sin. Amen? Jesus tells his disciple there is another great work of baptism for them to experience. As much as they have been baptized in water to signify their new life in Christ, they're about to experience a submerging in the Holy Spirit with a similar significance. They will be in field now, not with purpose, but with power. Their purpose remains the same as it was when they were saved. Go and make disciples. The baptism of the Holy Spirit does not change that, but it does empower. 
empower you to do so more effectively. Amen? We saw it last week as Jesus is getting ready to ascend. He tells him in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That word power that he uses right there comes from the Greek word dynamis, dunamis, I think is how it's pronounced, and it's where we get our English word dynamite from. Jesus is telling them that something big, powerful, and explosive is coming from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. But more than that, Jesus is telling his disciples to wait for this before they try to do anything else. Now, that's important, right? Jesus says, hey, look, before you go out and evangelize the world, now think, nobody cared more about souls than Jesus. When Jesus is dying on the cross, he looks to the, to the thief. I always see him on the right. I don't know why. He looks to the thief beside him, and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He's still saving souls at the, day, at the moment of his death. Nobody cared about souls more than Jesus, but Jesus... Jesus tells his disciples, hey, look, before you go out and evangelize the world, you need to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. You need to go and wait for it. Don't do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. There's something significant for us about that, right? I think sometimes we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit as optional. And to make it to heaven, it is optional, okay? Look, if you have asked Jesus into your heart, congratulations. You, you have the get out of hell free card, okay? Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You're going straight to heaven, all right? That's good, right? You, if you have Jesus in your heart, you, then you are going to heaven, okay? The Holy Spirit, you don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to make it to heaven. But to make it on this earth, I think it's necessary, okay? That's just the only way I know how to say it, all right? In order for us to succeed, for us to really live, I think it's necessary. And even more so to make disciples disciples, it's a prerequisite. Jesus said, before you go and make disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. Now that puts some of us in the room in a bind because you're like, well, I'm already making disciples. Well, maybe you're already filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't tell the assemblies of God I said that. We'll talk about that more in just a second. Wait a minute, pastor. What about my Baptist friends who are soul winners? I'd love to have that conversation with you. Let's talk about it. The short version is this. How do you know they aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit? And if your response is, well, they don't speak in tongues, then I would say, yes, according to our fundamental truths as a denomination, speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it is not the only evidence. Scripture supports that. The majority of accounts in Scripture have speaking in tongues alongside of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there are other accounts where it's left off. Is it just implied? Maybe. But it's not written explicitly right there, so maybe they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they didn't speak in tongues. Man, I hope this don't make it to the national office. We'll, we won't be an AG church. We'll be non-denominational. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They wouldn't do that to us. Um, the best way I can explain it to you is this, okay? If you crank up a car, you'll hear the engine running, right? So let's just call speaking in tongues the muffler, all right? Look, I'm just saying the way that you know someone is filled with the Holy Spirit and the engine is running is speaking in tongues. Many of you have had that encounter, right? Many of you have been sitting next to someone who speaks in tongues, and you're like, man, their car's running a little rough, right? Like, it's like it's loud, it's knocking, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, we're going to have a little fun today, okay? In my experience, speaking in tongues is the easiest way to see on a person if the engine's running, right? That's the easiest way, all right? But if you see a car from a distance putting along the road, you may not be able to hear the engine running, but there is other evidence that will support the fact that the engine is engaged, Right? So I'm just saying, you know, maybe they're filled with the Spirit. Not a perfect analogy, but I think you get the picture. One would also have to wonder how much effort it would take to tote your car around from place to place without the engine running. 
maybe the analogy is breaking down there, or maybe it's pointing out, as Jesus did, the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At any rate, Jesus tells his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promised Holy Spirit before they do anything. Brings us to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. You thought the strangest thing to ever happen in church was a rooster that speaks Spanish that thinks it's a dog. No, I'm telling you, this was way more bizarre are, right? The sound of a windstorm, and yet it doesn't tell us that their hair was blowing. It just says the sound. Could you imagine? We're all looking around like, man, the AC's messed up. What's happening? And then it says, tongues of fire came and settled on every one of their heads. What does that even mean? Tongues of fire came and settled on every one of their heads. When God met with Moses, what happened? The bush was burning, but it didn't, it was not consumed. When God met with him on the mountain, what happened? Fire came down and settled. Fire represents the presence of God, but more than that, the pillar of fire led them. We've seen it in the temple throughout our temple study, the the fire that's always burning, that's always bright. It represents the presence of God because he is the temple, right? And so where his fire is, he dwells. And so on the day of Pentecost, Jesus says, I'm breaking up the temple, boys. It's no longer going to be a place where you have to come. Now the temple is every one of you because every one of you has the fire of God in your heart and your life. Listen, listen, the very first time had to be dramatic, right? Because these guys had no idea, right? I, even, if you, even if you were not raised in a Pentecostal church, you've, you've seen it or experienced it, or the first time you did, you never forget it, right? Like, you're like, what in the world is happening? But you were there, and there are other people who you know and trust and love, and you're like, well, they're not crazy, so obviously this is something going on here, right? The disciples had no idea. This had never happened to them before. They're just sitting in the upper room, and then all of a sudden, mighty windstorm, and tongues of fire, and l- listen at this. This is the dynamite that we were looking for. Notice the disciples were meeting together in one place. Now, let me say something about unity right here. Does it matter that they're in the same room? Well, there is no account of the Holy Spirit showing up anywhere else in the city that day. Does it matter that they were in the same mindset? Honestly, this is where we have to read into Scripture a little bit. The scripture doesn't say that they were all in the same mindset and are in agreement with each other in their hearts. However, it does say that they were all together in one place. The word together means that they were in the same room, but the word one place is not just a reiteration of together. It holds plural possessive. It's most commonly translated in scripture as theirs, right? Like whose house is that? That's theirs. It's most commonly referred to in the plural possessive. Well, the place where they were at wasn't theirs, so it couldn't say that they were all in one place that was theirs. So what was theirs? I believe the Scripture is implying that they were in the same mindset. They possessed the same attitude and spirit and heart. Today we celebrate Pentecost where the spirit and breath of God was poured out on believers, and it falls on the weekend as we mourn as a nation while we watch the breath of one man taken from him. Our country's more divided now than it's ever been And we're ignorant at best if we cry out for revival in our nation and yet turn a blind eye to hatred in all its forms. Amen, church? Racism has no place in the church. It has no place in the hearts and lives of believers. And for those of us to sit sit by and say, well, yes, but it's still a life that was taken, and I think that we have to mourn with those who mourn, as the Scripture says. 
and that we have to step up and say, you know what, I'll stand because I have a voice that for whatever reason society thinks is louder than yours, so I'll speak up. Amen? They were all together in one place, and look what happens. Suddenly. Some of you need a suddenly in your life today. That word suddenly means unawares or unexpected. You've been waiting in anticipation, and today's the day that God will bring us suddenly into your life. Or maybe you had no intention of God changing your life or situation today, but it's about to happen unexpected, unawares, and suddenly. I don't know why, but the staff has got, I do know why I did, I started it. The staff has gotten into this thing where if somebody gets to the church before the other one, they just wait in a hidden dark corner to scare the life out of you. Or they'll hear your music playing in your office and sneak up real stealthily to come around the corner and be like, hey, how's it going? And jump. Unawares, unexpected. I believe some of you today, man, it's going to be that startling when the Lord just speaks to you and you go, I didn't know today was going to be the day. Today's the day. Amen? There was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. The breath of God began to blow in that place. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. The power of God appeared over each of them. And everyone present, get that, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. If you don't want to get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, now's your time to leave. I'm just kidding. Calm down. Come on, somebody. That's where that's normally where we as a Pentecostal church shut it down, start the Holy Ghost toe down, and before you know it, we're all speaking in tongues, slaying the spirit, and cried all of the makeup off for the ladies. It's 2020, some of the guys too, you know? Back to our car analogy though. What happens if you crank a car in this building and it just sits running inside the building for hours? Well, if we have poor ventilation, then sooner or later we all start dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. The Holy Spirit was never intended for us to have and get cranked up in here and not take it out there. Never intended for that to happen. Never intended for that to happen. Can I just say that maybe sometimes we have a Holy Ghost hoedown and think that God has really done something in our lives, but by the end of the service, we've killed the spirit man inside of us and we leave unchanged. I'm just reading my notes here. I might have been cranky when I wrote this. I don't know. What does it look like to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Acts tells, Acts tells us as people showed up to see the promotion. I'm going to start that all over again. Acts tells us as people showed up to see the commotion. Peter, remember the guy who denied Jesus, right? Right? They're like, hey, aren't you with him? Don't you know him? Aren't you one of his disciples? Three times he's like, no, I don't know the man. I don't know. And then it says he swore with an oath, which I think is a curse word. I don't know. There's other theologians that would just go, no, he said something about, uh, well, whatever. Uh, he, swear, he swore. So he got so upset that he, was, he did something else besides just saying, I don't know him. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, I don't know him. This guy who was so scared to be identified with Christ. People come in and go, you guys are obviously drunk. And Peter, that scared guy, he's the one that stands up and goes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not in the morning, guys. What are you thinking? We're not that big of a louse. Like, there's no way. Like, there's no way that's happening. What you see here is what was promised by the prophet Joel, and he goes on for 30 verses and explains to them not just what's happening to the disciples, but why the Holy Spirit is important. He tells them, look, Jesus, you remember the one that you crucified and killed? Oh, man, then he says, uh, in, uh, hold on, let me just find it. He says down a little bit further, uh, he says, i got to find it, hold on, because it goes so well. He's talking to them about how the Lord was killed, and he says, uh, and you know, anything about this? Yep, sorry, this was not in my notes. I'm just finding it. 
Mm-hmm. God's made him sound beautiful. Praise God. Everybody just talk amongst yourselves. I'm using up precious time right here. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Verse 24. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Death, that's worth the wait, right? Death could not keep him in its grip. That scripture tells us that death had no hold on Jesus. And when we get filled with Jesus, death got no hold on me either. Come on, right? Woo, I get slippery for death. I like it. He can't hold on to me. And then what happens in verse 41, this is what it says. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, read it, about 3,000 in all. Y'all, we're going to have to build another sanctuary. We're going to have to fill up the parking lot. I don't know what we're going to... I, I 3,000 people got saved. Why? Because... 150 people came together in one heart and one mind and said, Lord, you said you were going to give us something and we receive it. And when the Holy Spirit stepped in and baptized them that day, people stood up to listen. They ran to see what was going on. And when one man filled with the power of the Holy Spirit spoke the the freedom of Christ, 3,000 people said, I want that. I see what you got and I want it too. Amen? I want it too. Church, that's what God's looking for us today. What is Pentecost? Remember, it's a celebration of the first fruits of harvest with a guarantee that the great harvest had begun. The arrival of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life should be the same. A celebration of the first fruits of the harvest, which is you, your life, with a guarantee that a great harvest is on the way. As a denomination, we believe that the initial physical evidence of baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, but the ultimate outcome should be a great harvest of people coming to know Jesus. Amen. It's not enough for me to say I speak in an unknown language. I've been given my prayer language. That's great and wonderful. But if we're focused on that, we're focused on the wrong thing. The reason why the Lord fills us with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that we can stand with boldness and proclaim God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. I've experienced in my life and I believe God wants you to experience that today. Amen. Aren't you ready for that kind of power, right? Aren't you ready for that kind of power in your life? Because once I am submerged in the Holy Spirit, I come up and every part of my life is saturated in the Lord. I'm going to tell you, church, I need to get dunked again. Because we dry out, right? I need to continually stay in His presence. When I'm saturated with God... When I'm saturated in his presence, I talk different, I act different, I relate differently to others, I work different, I walk different. The Lord has taken over my life. And when you are that different, you can't help but talk about him because people can't help but notice. And when people begin to notice that difference in you, all you want to do is point them to the difference maker in your life. I believe it's time for the church to come out of quarantine looking a little different than how we walked in. Amen. People might think that we have come into this place today to hide away from the world and its problems, but the truth is that we have been given a promise from the Lord that when we come into this place, if we seek his face, he will change our lives, and when he changes our lives, we'll leave this place different. Amen. Amen. Now look, I know altars are a little different right now, man. If we open the altars, we'd be packed in here like sardines and I guess a virus would spread. I don't know. But I also know this. There wasn't no altar call in the upper room. Amen? 
far as I know, they'd been sitting up there for hours, and so they're probably just exhausted and in the corner going, man, what's going to happen? Until they heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and they said, well, something's taking place, and they stood up and noticed. Nobody came by and laid hands on them. It says every one of them was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was teasing earlier, look, if you're not in a place this morning where you're like, I don't even know if I want that, don't worry, the Holy Spirit's not going to jump on you. He's a gentleman. He don't do that, okay? But if you're in a place where you've been seeking and you're like, Lord, I just want more of your power. If you're like, I don't know about speaking in tongues. I'm just going to ask you to ask the Lord to fill you this morning. And what happens, happens. Am I going to speak in tongues, Pastor? You might, but you might not. And that's okay. You can still be filled with the Spirit this morning. Amen?